Greetings, ladies and mentalgents, and welcome to the latest chapter of Ars Magica, taken from the subreddit HFY. All the relevant links are down below, and please like, comment, and subscribe like any good minion of the algorithm would do. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 65 System Interlude by Naron Speech by Stebbin Wallersby, Mayor of Zekrum in his third year. It is with the greatest pride that I'm here before you today. Now, one year ago, in our fair town, our mayor left the town running away from the most recent of monster waves. Some went with him, but we stayed behind. Albeit, I stayed behind because I literally don't have legs. I figured that you'd all laugh at that, so uh, you might be wondering why I'm running as former mayor against Delvin, our resident blacksmith. In my eyes, and many of the townsfolk here, he's probably the better candidate. He's older than I am. His voice isn't a literal greater like mine, and he has a ton more experience dealing with people. But not like a literal ton like I am. So to get a little bit more serious here, what differentiates me from my candidates? It is just one simple fact. I cannot run away. Now this might seem a bit obvious. I'm a boulder, after all. The point is, however, that I will be with you for my entire existence. Now, some of you might exactly be wondering, Stebram, you're just a boulder. What can you do? Well, I'll tell you. Now, to give a better idea as to why I am a good fit, I might have to delve into the history of Hypatia for a bit. Yes, I know history is boring stuff. Just stick with me on this. The Pesha, originally, were just objects that gained enough energy to form a soul. Basically, the older an object is, the more likely it would develop a soul, that intelligence, and actually become a person. You all know that. However, the recent declaration of identity from the gods has changed that. Hevesia were changed on a fundamental level while directly acknowledging for the first time since the voice of the gods had come into power. In other words, it was a pretty big deal. Now you might be wondering, what exactly could have changed so much from just an acknowledgement that we exist? Well, I'll tell you. Hypatia cannot form new souls anymore. We now simply form a hole for existing souls to put in. Yes, I hear your concerns. I am still Stibram. However, I am also now Zarekus, long-dead king of a forgotten empire with knowledge beyond the body that he inhabits. Now, if you elect me, I swear that I'll operate on three main components within my role. First is that I will never leave you, nor this town. It has housed me for my entire life, and it'll house me forevermore. Thus, I will protect it as much as I can, with the power of the voice of the gods has given me. The second is that I'll make this town grow, as it stands, there is not enough people here to keep this town going for another generation. I know, I should not bring it up, but it is simply a fact. Unless we get more people here, our way of life is simply die off in the middle of the wilderness, and I will be left completely alone, to weather against time and rain, until even I am reduced to rubble. I'm sorry, I did not mean to put that out there, but I feel like it is a necessary act. Now, I've yet to talk about the third reason I feel like I should be elected towards the position 
It is not because I do not feel like it should be. It is because I do not know how you all would react to this. We need to go into the dungeon. I, I know. I know it's not a popular opinion, but it must be done. As it stands, there is no one here with a high enough combat level to actively protect the village. We need to make sure that we're protected. Not by walls, defenses, or even by hiring rogue hunters. We need something personal. Something effective. Something such that we will no longer be afraid simply being here. We need protection. That's why I think I should be the mayor. That's why I think this town is in serious trouble. And that's why I know that Dalvin is not all prepared for what we need to do. Thank you for your time. The first thing that the automated uniform driving invention had noticed once they had caught up with the moving caravan was that the floor was no longer under any of them. At first, they were somewhat startled. They did not expect a sudden cave-in to occur or for the earthquake to cause them to be sent towards the very bowels of the earth. However, that was all it was for them. Just a startle. Basically, no matter what would occur, they were quite confident that they would survive it. They had been made of Egaloy Ultimate Alloy Mesh after all. However, its fear resurfaced when he realized something quite important. Its two passages were currently not strapped in. And with the beginnings of a deep, searing pit of despair building within his main energy storage unit, he began to fall down. Immediately it had noticed that the space where they were falling to was warping. Its sensors seemed to scream that the space around them did not exist for a brief moment. However, where normal mortal minds might have simply passed by the experience, only noticing a brief sensation upon the bodies as they passed through the firmament, Audi was quite different. It had been primarily made to look and notice the area surrounding it, including all magical and non-magical disturbances. So when its senses literally told it that there was nothing around it, here they could not touch anything or see anything except the rolling of the undulating black, it went into the biggest panic of its life. It had long since decided that sensation like sight and touch were great things it could ever experience and the possibility that they had been taken away from it had left it fighting for control over its shattering worldview. Never before had this happened, and it was quite certain that this was all that ever would happen. Even in the darkness of the night clouded their vision, its magic senses still gave a grotesque picture of the world, and now they had even finally failed it. For what seemed like an eternity, it was stuck within the endless void, trying to voice its thoughts for the first time, that it could think to do so, and screaming for something, anything to change. And, just like that, it had popped back into reality. Its passengers were missing from the inside, sprawled out along the top of its frame, passed out from the experience. And the area where they had molded around it, Audi could tell that they were just simply too big for the space that they were trying to be put in. However, due to the rigidity of the frame and the structural integrity that had been built into it, crumpling under the pressure was simply not going to happen. It had also been made to go underwater for a depth, although that bit had yet to happen, as Credence was still trying to overcome a personal fear of drowning. Howdy was still not sure about the aspect of that being made all too necessary, but they wouldn't question what its creator had made. However, 
The main issue behind everything at the moment was that something had begun crawling all over them. It started at its feet, crawling along its surface. However, the mild concern for its passengers soon grew into a mild concern for itself. It was being eaten. It tried to budge, move, or do something, but it was stuck. Its legs had been molded into the floor while its tail was stuck inside a wall. It literally could not escape its fate. Until one of the fading sensors around the one of its joints noticed something about the crawling sensation. It was not magical metal, but magical constructs. It was not being eaten, but it was being reconstructed. The metal being used to create more of the tiny creatures. So Audi pulled something deep from within itself, something that had developed and then that seemingly endless eternity that it spoke to them for the first time. I would appreciate not being taken apart. The sound of the speech, if it could be called that, wasn't exactly audible. Audi was not built with speaking in mind. This was more akin to speaking directly towards either a person's mind or a person's soul, in ways that only the beginning stages of an object becoming Hypatia could pull off. The sound of it, though, seemed to resonate through the tiny constructs as they stopped at once. Nadi was a bit confused at that. Sure, it had managed to speak towards the constructs, but it was never in its wildest thoughts that all of them would stop what they were doing immediately. At most, they were just expecting that the constructs would cease for but a moment. Now, they all seemed to stare at their immense form, and that was the moment it actually noticed its surroundings. Everything within the space was made of a construct, and all of them stopped immediately to stare. It was, perhaps, the most seen that Audi had ever felt during its entire existence. However, that did not mean that it liked it at all that well. It was fine with the quiet knowledge of its existence towards other people, not the undivided attention that it was receiving at the moment in time. Who are you? The words reverberated along the walls, spoken through a thousand million voices, its echo still sung with Audi's frame well after the question had been asked. With trepidation, they began to speak. I am Audi, automated uniform driving invention. I was built to travel everywhere. The vehicle answer seemed to make the construct pause further. It was not too terribly sure as to why, however. Travel? You are too much large to travel here. The many voices had shrunken down, their large nature simplifying until there was just but a single omnipresent voice that seemed like it was being spoken right next to its senses. I did not expect to be here, especially not with, um, the silence. So, uh, you aren't trying to hurt us. The last word was spoken seemed to subsume Audi in its entirety reaching multitudes that they had simply not had the wherewithal to hear before. Whatever it was that was speaking to it, it was perhaps the biggest thing that they had ever been able to witness before in its life. No, from my understanding we were simply trying to catch it up to the caravan traveling towards a mountain when we fell. To Aldi's knowledge, this was the absolute truth. They hadn't exactly been paying much attention towards the reason behind their travels, They'd been more focused on the trail that they were traveling and the landscape passing by them. They hadn't exactly seen any green before the past two weeks, so they'd still been adjusting from finding themselves within a grassland for the first time in its existence. It wouldn't exactly discount its experience within that desert, but to Audi, 
there wasn't exactly anything interesting about seeing yet another sand dune after the first 20 different iterations that they had pulled their senses towards. Then we are sorry that you were brought here with how everything currently is. As it stands, we have orders to subsume all intruders via any method necessary. However, with your story, it sounds like you are not intruders, but unexpected guests due to the sudden increase in our available area. Please wait while we converse with our creator. We will try to set up a space for you to exist within. And if that's not possible, at least manage to get you outside our creator's abode. And that, the metal constructs flowed down from the legs, repurposing the spent metal back towards what they had taken apart, and leaving behind an empty stone corridor devoid of any constructs whatsoever. Audi, however, wasn't all too worried about the situation at hand. Being polite had paid off for the creation, and they would take that lesson towards the beginning spark for its soul space. End of chapter. Chapter 66. Credence couldn't exactly tell where he was at the moment. His scales ached with age that he never felt until now and his eyes could only see that there was only blackness above and around him, along with ripples appearing throughout the sky. He could not tell whether or not he had lost his sight, as while he could have his hands in front of him, he registered no motion from them, like light had simply been erased from existence. However, the only clue he possessed was that he awoke upon something metal. When he tried to stand up, however, he had stopped quite abruptly as he had managed to hurt his back in such a way as to have made it more damaged than it already had been. However, the only physical difference one could see if they were to take his form was that some of his scales had either cracked or completely fallen off of his skin along the small of his back towards the base of his tail. Deductive reasoning managed to take a hold of him and consolidate most of the information around him, leading him towards a few illusions. The first was that he was lying on the top of his creation. It was a fairly easy conclusion to come up to. However, the next part of its journey brought the light of starting conclusion. The crack that had been formed beneath him had managed to swallow his entire carriage hole. He crawled along the top to avoid hitting his neck upon the ceiling once more and managed to come across another thing besides the two, that being the familiar furry form of Kojo. The only reason that deductive reasoning could tell it was Kojo was the fact that the animal in question managed to snuggle under the covers of his bed while he slept for part of the journey. Credence stopped for a moment feeding the somewhat comfy moss across his skin before gently picking up the unconscious dog, judging from the deepness of its breaths. He searched along the floor while holding his cargo within his hand before finding purchase upon the thing that he'd been searching for that being the entrance hatch. Once he managed to open it halfway, as the rest of the hatch had bent and contorted as to make it the highest of the tinges would allow, he pushed his cargo in first, and then shimmied in coming to the sounds of pain emanating from the fallen wolf. What was that for? Couldn't fit you in otherwise, Credence stated while he managed to climb down the ladder, managing to have his eyes adjust towards the low level of emergency lighting. He chuckled at the somewhat visible wolf flailing on the ground before he hissed in pain. Laughing had hurt him. The doctor reasoning helpfully gave him a list of things that it could be, 
including a possible lung rupture or bone slightly piercing it. Judging from how it both hurt from the laugh itself and from the heavy breathing, he hoped it was more of the latter. Where are we, anyway? And why did I fall? Don't know, and I am at least no why. You were outside. You just couldn't wait until all and stuck your head out of the skylight to say hello to our comrades. It did take a sort of sense in mind, but even deductive reasoning couldn't make heads or tails on how he had managed to get a put atop the vehicle as well. Given that the fall had happened while he had been in his bed, trying to recover from the mental anguish that he had self-inflicted. The only reason that it gave was something that Curridans refused to relieve until he managed to turn the headlights on. So, um, did it happen? Did we save Marwall? Don't know. We fell before we found out. Credence had finally reached the floor of his creation and started walking towards the front console, trying to figure out which button turned on the inside lights. Fell? That question falling out of Kojo's mouth. The emergency lights turned off, and the proper ones managed to turn themselves on. His newfound eyes finding nothing out of the ordinary, except right where Credence is staring out of. He walks up slowly towards the console on the side of the epigape lizard. What is that? Bojo's question would be unheeded by the cobalt, for Credence was absolutely and utterly surprised by what he saw and what his deductive reasoning had managed to tell him. For outside the window was nothing. Nothing in this distinction should be noted not as to mean that there was no objects within the vicinity. There was, of course, still glass upholding the window that Marwall had put in front of the console. There were still seeable parts of the metal vehicle, and one could see if they looked outside of it. However, the point of having windows this low to the ground was to make sure that nobody had accidentally been trampled underneath and to actually speak to those that were on the ground. It did not help, in this case, that from whatever they could see, there was no ground. The sight itself wasn't something that would catch their attention, however. One could not see the ground if they were high enough into the sky. For those lucky few having access to either wings or airships, this was different. In the sense that the space itself was twisting and warping before them, almost singing in twisting chords, giving a voice towards resonance the things here did not possess. The two had managed to somehow find themselves inside a place that no mortal had been before, and lived to tell the tale. The reason behind why they were like this is somewhat related upon the nature of the dungeons themselves, and the fact that instead of the carriage being completely thrown outside of the dungeon like most oversized entrants would be, it was stuck halfway in and halfway out. The only reason that this could happen is by combining faults of age of the dungeon and the surprise that it had received from obtaining a significant number of flaws at once. If it was anything else, people wouldn't have accidentally gotten this view and lived. They would have either died from the void outside tearing into them once they had drifted far enough away from reality, or they would have been by their lonesome inside the dungeon, forced to go through it without getting their wagon back once they managed to leave. So upon seeing the forces at play in the outside world, Kojo backed away quite quickly, breathing quite rapidly as he's back against the wall. 
He closed his eyes and prayed almost reverently in a hymn that no one could make out, even if they were proficient with the bestial tongue. For the words they spoke were of tinged with an aspect of divinity, sounding incomprehensible to all except for those who the message had been for. However, due to his location, the message could go unheeded and unnoticed while he was in the quasi-state of being. On the other hand, Credence had become utterly fascinated by the prospect of what was in front of him. Ah, this, uh, this is quite strange. Perhaps, um... Could it be taken, I wonder? Credence's musings upon the nature of the thing twisting in front of him were brought away from him, due to the flashing light upon his console. He looked down to notice that it was no singular light causing the display, but all of them blinking on and off on their own paces, causing a strobe effect to take place. What in damnation? His question only seemed to still the lights as they all turned off, almost like it had never happened before. As he brought up his head, he realized that there were probably a reason that they all had turned off like that. Something had changed beyond the dark and somewhat purple abyss to surround them. There was a warp which was no longer there. Instantly tearing and groaning could be heard all along the hull of the vehicle. Kojo's chant started to grow more and more reverent, only hearing nothing in kind. Both Credence tried to maneuver the controls, whatever was out there. It had latched onto them. His controls didn't seem to work for some of the legs, but others had managed to grip onto something and pull them along towards a certain direction, where all seemed like nothing. With that pull, the headlights had suddenly started to actually illuminate something apart from reflecting off of nothing of the pure black abyss. It was something that was rocky and grainy in front of them. Deductive reasoning helpfully gave the panicking Credence a reason as to why they bore witness to that, but Credence no longer wanted to hear its incessant voice. Turn the ability off. Reaching for the controls once more, Credence tried to bring out the drills that were within the claws of his vehicle, only to discover that the claws were stuck within the walls. Credence tried to move the vehicle once again, only to discover that no matter what he could do, the legs had gotten stuck as well. It briefly gave him pause as to how this happened, and he briefly debated bringing back deductive reasoning, only for Kojo to distract him. Is it gone? What? Credence's quick remark sounded off as he turned towards the calming beast. The nothing everywhere. Is it gone? You of all people know what it is. Credence's incredulous stare seemed to bore into the crumpled form of the once proud wolf. No, that's just the first thing that popped into my head when I looked at it. Hmm, when I looked at it, I just called it void. Words seemed to reverberate with a tone that struck true to all who heard it, as often true names within the Ophtricon often do. Makes sense, I suppose. Is that uh, whatever is still attacking us? Gojo's question raised a minute sense of danger within Credence as he stilled, listening to the hull of his handiwork. There seemed to be no more creaking or anything happening along its walls or ceiling, so it was safe for Credence to assume that the danger had passed. We should be safe from it, uh, wherever we are, Credence answered. Kojo nodded before heading back towards the window, 
regaining his dignified gait and trying to reclaim a piece of himself that was just out of reach within his mind. Good, good. Can we move? I've tried. It's quite difficult. We seem to have phased into a rock around us, uh, at least partly. It was a startling clear observation he could make, as the arms and legs of this cherished invention had melded with the walls around them. He could still activate the circuits embedded within them, but doing so like this, further than he, what he'd already done, could prove harmful towards the structural integrity of it all. Hmm, so we are stuck. Well... We could leave the safety of Audi if we wanted to, but I'd rather not just leave my magnum opus here to rust and decay. Kojo nodded at the declaration, staring through the window around the little patch of the cavern that they'd lit up. And there, far ahead, he could see something approaching. Well, uh, that's strange. Credence managed to find purchase within one side pantry, trying to find out how much rations they had left to survive where they were when Kojo's words tore through his consciousness, and a fear began to grow. What? There's a big blob coming towards us. A slight comfort went through Credence as the words passed Kojo's maw, but a slight terror was still within him. The shapeless mass was still within his mind, a possibility he did not want to think about. A blob like slime? Hope was etched out in Credence's voice, the cockpit. No, far bigger than that, and uh, made of metal. A slight reprieve was given as Credence sighed in relief. The shapeless mass from the void had not followed them to wherever they had popped out at, but the mention of metal tore at his mind, until a tiny nugget of information screamed through his mind like a mandrake. Oh, oh gods, we have to get out of here. Credence was somewhat manic words. Kojo Odia's curiosity turned towards the period of questioning. What? Why? Metal slimes are by far the worst kinds of slimes to fight against. They hold such a rigidity in their makeup that their own flexibility gives pause to many who fight them. It does not help that metal slimes are attracted to rare metals. I tried to make them into machines before, but at high enough temperature, they'll self-combust. Basically useless for living metal constructs. Credence's long-winded explanation confused the wolf further, and he had been already. Kojo had seen slimes before, but none of them were made of metal. Sure, some had been made of mucus, blood, or muscles, but that was what he had assumed all slimes were. Plus, they were almost incredibly dumb, to the point that any that passed by his pack that were made of flesh were killed on sight to serve as an easy go between four growing pups, to better wean off of the mother's milk. However, the brief moment of retrospection almost tore into him when one of the piece of information that Credence was actually worried about. There's rare metals in this contraption of yours, isn't there? Only one piece. Everything else is an alloy which uh, it can't harvest. Where is it, Credence? You're avoiding the question of our safety here. Credence debated with himself on whether or not to tell the wolf exactly where it was before realizing that he had a definitive right to know whether or not they were about to die here. It's in the console. Crap. Crap indeed. 
And with that final statement, Credence sat in the furthest chair from the console, carefully monitoring the window. Doing so, to prepare for a sudden onslaught of crashing glass to cascade through from the immense form of metal slime. However, the moment that they were waiting for never seemed to come. Why is it just uh, sitting there? Kojo's question filled the air like a miasma, showcasing her unknowable nature of the enemy before it. At least, unknowable in Kojo's experience. It also was bothering him slightly how the slime was just sitting there, outside of the definitive lights of the contraption that he was in. He could be figuring out how to get to us. Slimes are notoriously lazy monsters, so it's probably trying to figure out if it can get to the metal without expending too much effort. Gredon stated, still wary towards the possibility of fighting a foe of gargantuan mass. Both he and Kojo stared at the thing, but it only wobbled from side to side. To them, it was almost like it was whistling a tune only it could hear. Then, as sudden as it had done so, it stopped within the center of the light beams, seemingly content to stay put. How long does that usually take? Kojo's question pulled Credence away from the possibility of danger that he'd laid below him. Uh, depends on the monster's experience. If there's an absorbed brain inside that thing, then perhaps it'll just take place within the next few seconds. If there isn't... He stopped speaking, waiting for the thing to make a move. However, there was still no reaction from that thing. Okay, fine then. Uh, it'll probably take an hour before it decides to actually harm the... That was when the slime acted. However, what both of them expected did not come to pass, and they could only stare in confusion at what was transpiring. The slime did not jump towards the glass, but instead seemed to almost flow away from itself, stretching itself over around their immediate error, covering the entirety of the tube bite and their method of transportation in seconds. They could only see the wall that had formed in front of them, so they prepared for anything that could happen. Perhaps in spite of that, though, the only thing that happened was the slime beginning to rapidly change colors, emitting light in their immediate area brighter than their headlights, growing to an almost blind them. Then, as suddenly as it occurred, the flashing stopped and the metal fell away. In place of the rocky enclave they had been in, they were now within a different setting entirely, almost conducted of wooden forest groves, lit up in the distance by unknown light sources, coming to a gentle orange. Flowers of all shapes and sizes seemed to be sprung in a circle around them, letting mana fly surround them in a gentle, soft dance. For the sky was lit from blindingly bright blue sun. The only respite was the trees' leaves which surrounded them. This, of course, brought a brief bout of confusion to occur amongst the both of them, albeit for either of them it was of slightly different nature. No! Both of their voices sounded out, reverberating within the metal cockpit before slowly losing tone and echo. However, it only took a second for one of them to actually voice the surprise beyond a simple exclamation. What? What happened? Gojo's question drew the side glance from Credence as he was staring at something outside of the window off towards the side. We just got teleported, Credence answered curtly, his attention brought back towards the outside world. Kojo took a bit to pass through the words understanding that was provided to him before responding. 
Yes, I think I understand that word. You don't sound surprised by it. Credence nodded his head as he gestured vaguely around him in a manic air. Yes, sir, teleportation isn't that hard to catch up, given enough effort into runic circles, given that the metal slime seemed to have formed a sphere around us, it would probably make an effort way easier. His arms were once again brought back to his side, while one of his hands laid upon the glass. So, why are you surprised? Kojo Stapen took a minute to soak into the cobalt's head, but when it did, he was almost surprised at the simplicity of his question. My creation is in one piece. He gestured towards everything around them and the outside of the window. Kojo went forward to peer through the window, now able to see exactly what Credence had been talking about. Where the pieces of metal had melded into the walls themselves, when he had no control over the functions or motions, the parts themselves looked like they hadn't been touched from all of the things that had happened besides a little metal warping along one of the claws, perhaps from when he tried to bring out the drills inside of them. Credence could not simply understand how the teleport was able to capture the entirety of his creation, when it simply formed a sphere around the entirety of it and was in the confines of the corridor that they chanced into. Kojo was amazed, for he simply thought that those parts were gone forever, and so he had to voice his amazement at the miraculous return. Ah, that is, um, fascinating, isn't it? A voice spoke up, interrupting the thought Kojo had tried to form, one that had not belonged to either of them. Both of them rapidly turned around towards the sudden intruder, only to find a dwem standing in a floating metallic platform in the middle of the cavern. Its wings were torn, long red scars littered portions that weren't missing entirely. While ripped holes were shown throughout parts of the lining that made up the wings, its claws, while sharp, did not hook or glint in the light. Rather, they almost seemed to be cracked obsidian. With the blood vessels visibly pumping through throughout them, as well as his body and face. The normal circular patch of white fur was upon his stomach, although it was marred beyond recognition. Color had long since left it any definition, only serving as a faint outline to what had been. And finally, the head. Its ear, much like its wings, had been torn, one almost seemingly like it would fall off at any second, while its nose had a portion of it visibly gone, almost like it had never existed in the first place. Its eyes, his eyes, Credence corrected himself, were noticeably a deep dark red tinged with yellow, almost, but not quite, reaching an orange color. With his inspection over, Credence winced visibly at the Dwem's visage, but very specifically towards its wings. Dwem were known to have the greatest of pride in their wings, as it was one thing which made them physically different from all bide that existed or were to ever exist. For one such as this to let it go to that state, or for it to be caused towards that short bide, could only have ever been the most grievous of punishment. However, Credence's thoughts were once again interrupted as the Dwem slowly levitated the platform back onto the floor, carefully stepping towards them upon the hardwood floor of the cavern. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome to one of the most well-hidden parts of the Buried Legion, where we can house something of this, um, stature of yours, 
Now, before we go forward, it's rather important questions. I have one thing I have to do. A triviality, really, in the grand scheme of things. And that final word, the dagger was unsheathed, and the wings seemingly pulling it out of the air with a grace that one would expect from someone who had expertise that had long gone beyond their own conscious control. An inspection of your skills. End of chapter. The algorithm reckons you should be watching this video next, and I recommend that you should be always watching my video. So, click, click, click. With energy! And yes, clicking that does help the channel. Thank you very much. I just want to give a quick thanks to the tier 5 patrons and channel members. Alithia, Barky, Feudic Yol, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnholtz, White Van 420, Lord Asrakal, Arcalian, and Oakfield.